0: Today on CityCast Denver, we are 22 years into what scientists literally call a mega drought here in the American Southwest, and it doesn't seem like that's ending anytime soon. Things are so bad that some folks in Douglas County were talking earlier this year about spending as much as $2 billion to build a water pipeline up from the San Luis Valley. At the same time, Governor Polis just signed a bill that would pay homeowners to rip out their water-intensive lawns. And in Aurora, they're talking about imposing strict limits on quote-unquote non-functional grass, whatever that means.
1: It's going to get warmer here. There's no question about it. It already is getting warmer. And how are we as a community and as people, how are we going to adapt to that?
0: My guest today is Greg Fisher. He's the manager of demand planning and efficiency for Denver Water, which means it's his job to plan for the future of our water supply and help people like me adjust our behavior accordingly. I wanted to talk to Greg because since I moved here to the West, I've been reading scary stories about water and I wanna know how dire is it really here in Denver? Because I like a nice relaxing bath. Today is Monday, June 13th. I'm Paul Caroli in for Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver.
1: Actually, yeah, that was uh, cheeky. It was uh, chai tea with some creamer. Yeah. Gave up coffee for COVID with, you know, all sorts of other things. Good for you. Yeah.
0: COVID made my coffee addiction, I think, 10 times worse than it was. So we went opposite directions.
1: Yeah, you could go either way on it. Greg Fisher, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here.
0: So Greg, I just have to come out with it right here at the start. I've seen a lot of reports about drought and water scarcity all over the West. Situation sounds pretty dire to me. Should I be worried? Is Denver gonna run out of water?
1: You shouldn't be worried. You know, I, I think the the West is well conditioned to having dry periods. We definitely see dry periods, we see drought periods. Our customers here historically have done an excellent job responding to that. So we know when we need their help, they respond really well to get us through those dry and drought periods.
0: And your customers are are like people like me, the people of Denver, right?
1: Exactly, water users of Denver and the suburbs that we serve, uh, like Littleton, Lakewood, Cherry Hills, Greenwood Village. For our part, we are always planning to make sure we can get through what we call these critical periods, which are droughts, making sure that we can provide the essential uses of water, maybe put a little lower priority on private lawns um, temporarily, of course, and that's why you see restrictions, Um, we may limit watering to two days a week, which gets to your broader question, which is, are we going to run out of water? The answer is no, um, because of all the things that we do to prepare and our customers do when we ask them to cut back uh, for a, a brief period of time.
0: So what what makes you so sure that this isn't going to be a problem? Like climate change is going to mean more aridity, right? Like less water in the future. So how how can you know?
1: Well, great point. Um, We we don't absolutely know, but we've looked over um, hundreds of years, frankly. So what we've done to study this is to look back at some tree ring studies. So you can actually look at trees going back 400 years to see worse droughts than the ones we've experienced in our lifetime or in Denver Water's lifetime. And really prepare for those worst droughts. So there are worst droughts there. That's not to say that there aren't worse droughts in our future. But what we're really doing is making sure that we can live on a lot less um, now b- by becoming efficient and live on even less uh, when we put on drought restrictions. So it it could get worse, but I think our preparations mean that we're putting our customers in the best position they can be in whatever is coming at us.
0: Hmm. So, so I understand you're saying that like, your customers, like the people of Denver, have gotten more efficient, but what about the supply side? What makes Denver's water supply so secure that you don't seem worried about
1: it? Denver Water is over 100 years old now. We turned 100 in 2018. And we have just a great legacy and a great system that's been built over those 100 years. So we draw from two different basins, the Colorado River and the South Platte Basin, we have multiple reservoirs that we draw from because if you if you go to the South Platte in late summer, there's very little water in there.
0: Yeah, good luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you really have to build reservoirs and that's what Denver and many other water providers in Colorado have done. So you can see different types of winters south to north and that diversity really helps us where one year we might have a bad year in the north, but we're okay in the south. So, it, so, it's really just this legacy system that we've built that um, relies on some very senior water rights that we get water year in and year out.
0: And, and so, those reservoirs, they like that's where. Like snowpack collects, like the spring runoff when the the snows all melting.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're we're also um, very fortunate to have essentially the first use of the water um, after it's uh, as, after people have skied on it, it will melt, come into our reservoirs, and then ultimately go straight to our treatment plants and to our customers. And that that's why we have some of the highest quality and best tasting water in the country.
0: Not that anyone's comparing, right? Craig.
1: no we actually do oh. <laughs> no they they actually have taste tests um, really yeah the american waterworks association routinely conducts taste tests and we we tend to uh score very highly on that taste which is oh, obviously a point of pride for me
0: heck yeah i i love that how do i get that job water taster i know incredible
1: <laughs> it'd be great
0: Best part is, Pine Melon offers same-day delivery to Denver and soon Boulder within a two-hour window, no subscription necessary. Save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door. Join the movement and support local today. Use promo code CityCastDenver for $75 off your first delivery at pinemelon.com. That's pinemelon.com. So let me go back to something you said earlier about the the customers getting more efficient. Mm -hmm. Is that like a technology improving process or is that like personal use habits getting better?
1: All of the above. Okay. So what we've seen in the last 20 years, starting on the indoor side, is that technology's really improved. So the toilets we flush, showers we use, clothes washers, and just to give you an example, so Old conventional clothes washers would use about 40 gallons per load. The newest ones you'll buy on the market today are less than 15 gallons per load. Hmm. So it's just a tremendous water saving and in similar statistics for toilets and showers and even faucet aerators. So without having to change our behavior, technology has really helped us save a tremendous amount of water indoors. Hmm. Outdoors is a little different matter. Well, we have newer technologies, which I think help. The, we have these sprinkler controllers that can take um, weather forecasts and say, I'm not going to run because it's going to rain in your area. Those are great, but I think...
0: Yeah, that is pretty cool.
1: It is. And and, and we we continue to see newer and better technology coming along. But I think the thing that... that I would really have to compliment our customers on doing it are the choices they're making so for example we see water use drop dramatically when it rains it used to be 20 years ago you would set your sprinkler system it's going to run three times or four times a week regardless of whether it's raining but now our customers will turn their sprinkler systems off when it rains and really take advantage of that Um, and then the other one is choosing what they're watering so we have a legacy of bluegrass, frankly, in the country, but we're seeing some movement away from that. And, and one of the things that we're starting to preach more and more is having much more functional landscapes. So more trees, more um, pollinator flowers and bushes, and really thinking about what function you have rather than just the aesthetic quality. It's how can we have our landscapes function for us?
0: Sure. I mean, that's that's no joke. I mean, it's so it's so much a part of the culture that I know of Colorado. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty recent transplant, but like all of my friends talk about water a lot. Everybody who is thinking about landscaping a yard is talking about native plants, like xeriscaping. So yeah, I mean, it does feel like people people have responded. But I wonder. I kind of want to draw a connection here and like connect some dots that I'm I'm sensing. You you talked about Denver having very senior water rights to all that good runoff and like winning those 100 years ago back when, you know, water was for fighting over and whiskey was for drinking. And now I hear all these stories about all of our neighbors still fighting for water. Like Aurora is just considering this proposal about like banning new golf courses and like incentivizing turf replacement. I know the legislature was talking about that too. Doug Coe was talking about buying water and piping it in from the San Luis Valley. If we're in such a good position with water in Denver, why aren't we changing the narrative? Why aren't we sharing?
1: That's a really good question. And I think that's you know, another complicated one. So the, the first is, and you're absolutely right, that there's no denying that the competition for water is, is only gonna increase. Climate change is gonna make water more scarce growth in cities is not only going to cause us to use potentially use more at home, but also for the products we buy, whether it's food or um, anything that we buy that needs water to be produced. So the competition is, is growing for sure. I think the things that you cited for Aurora is more how they're adapting to what they need for growth. So thinking about how the climate's changing and thinking about their community values. The stance we're taking is really sort of cooperative. And you asked, why don't we share more? I think we are. And and we're looking actively searching for more cooperative opportunities. We have a project with Aurora and uh, Douglas County Water Entities called the WISE Project, where we have some of our reusable supplies that go downstream, hmm. They get picked up by Aurora's Prairie Waters Project and then pumped back down into the city where Douglas County entities can use that. It takes pressure off of them relying on their wells and then we can use that as a backstop supply in some of our worst droughts so we can pull that water back when we need to but it's you know it's really that sharing arrangement where they can use it when we don't need it we'll pull on it when we need it in those in the worst drought times and they can pump off their wells for short periods of time so those are examples of the cooperation and and, you know that it's not to say that um, water is not contentious; it is, and it always will be. But I think our stance is w- we need to find these partnerships and cooperative projects much more than um, fighting this stuff out in court.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like that idea. It's, it feels like we should be past that. But it also seems like each of these entities that's bal- that's like managing water is balancing the needs of today against projections for the future and trying to mitigate risk so i don't know how do you think about the risk part the long-term thinking like how much value is placed on that future need
1: as a planner a lot of the value is placed on that future need i mean. Today, we do an excellent job, in my opinion, of providing all of our customers' needs with safe, clean, great drinking water. But then my job and our job as planners is to make sure that that continues well into the future and really addressing those threats and risks that you're talking about. Climate change is one of them. And, and you know, that, that existential risk of it's going to get warmer here. There's no question about it. It already is getting warmer. And how are we, as a community and as people, how are we going to adapt to that? And water may be that that first place where we need that adaptation.
0: So yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, you were you were talking about how secure our our water supply is, and it sounds like for a long time. But what would you have us be thinking about as a city right now? What should we be thinking about changing or adapting right now?
1: If I look at our city today, I think we need to um, transform our landscapes into more functional landscapes. So um, that probably means less bluegrass. Drive around the city, and I do that this far too often. But drive around the city and just look at bluegrass and say,
0: "Shake your fist."
1: <laughs> well, not really shake my fist, but I, I ask myself is this useful? Is is this grass in the median or grass on these slopes? Does anybody use it? And I think that's the point is grass isn't bad, but it has a function. We need to know what that function is in parks and playing fields. Absolutely. In medians and slopes, maybe not. So really starting to think about what our landscapes need to do. They need to cool and shade. We need to use less water We need pollinator trees and flowers, all of those things. So getting back to your question of when you think about the future, that's the sort of stuff that we need to think forward and say, okay, what does that look like and what do landscapes look like? Not only from a water quantity standpoint, but maintaining these livable and attractive cities um, is really important. Hmm.
0: So what do you think people – Like regular people get wrong when they talk about water.
1: (laughs) You know what? Not much, frankly. I, I, I will tell you, every time we do a survey or focus groups, I am amazed at how well-educated our customers are. I think they know and and see enough of the news on Western water issues and that Lake Mead and Lake Powell are dropping to their lowest levels ever. I, I don't think they get it wrong. What I'll tell you is um, where I think they need help, and I include myself in this, is, is how to you become more efficient in their water use. And I think that's our responsibility to help our customers. If you have a a portion of your lawn that you want to change out, I think we need to help you with that. We've done that in smaller ways with a, a something called a garden in a box program. But I think that's it. Rather than getting wrong, I think it's just like, helping people understand how to transform that or how to take out a piece of lawn. Cause I honestly, I'm sitting here and I don't, I haven't done that and I need to do that. And I bet you many of our customers are just waiting for that uh, somebody to help them do it.
0: Yeah. I mean that that's where I am. The garden in a box is is a big step. My mother-in-law actually just did one. um, And she's, she's loving it, but yeah, it feels like more tools, more tools would be good. Absolutely. And then someday this is just a dream I have, but the Denver Botanic Gardens, you know, how they have little sections for different parts of the world. Maybe yes. someday they can have like a 20th century suburban American lawn, and it can just be a Kentucky bluegrass stretch.
1: I love that idea, just this this relic of yeah. what things used to be. Yeah, I think that's such a great idea.
0: Well, Greg Fisher, thanks so much for joining
1: me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for the conversation.
0: Well, there you have it. Denver Water is so, so, so good at what they do that our chief water planner himself has not yet replaced his lawn. But maybe he will soon. And maybe I will too. For more information on Denver Water's Garden in a Box program, I'm going to drop some links in the show notes. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today Peyton's got even more detail and background on our water situation. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Well, here I am in my tubby again, And my tubby's all filled with water and nice fluffy suds.